that coming over the hill? Is it a worldie? Absolute worldie. Oh, that's new. That's good. <laughs> Is that a famous song? No, I wrote it. Oh, I thought it was... It sounded like that one from the noughties called Monster. <laughs> I think we're going to... That's the uh, the band that sings the song Monster's uh, chatbot there. The automatic. It's the automatic's <laughs> chatbot. I didn't tell you I was going to do that, did I? Never. Nope, just started recording. Hello, listener. Have you missed us? Well, we'll explain why it's been a while momentarily, but we are back. We are here. We are sitting in the same place. We're socially distanced. I've got food in my teeth. We're not disobeying the rule of six. It's the rule of two. Two idiots talking about football, sort of, every week, probably. Hello, Kyle. Hi, Joel. How are you? Uh, I'm back. I'm home. Well, they don't know you've been away, so that was a Well, weird... you said we were going to tell them momentarily. <laughs> it's been a moment. I'll tell them. <laughs> okay, go on then. I went to Spain, and then on the way back from Spain, I did the right thing. The legal thing. Do the right thing. And I quarantined. Is that a Spike Lee joint? <laughs> yep. Quarantine. How was your quarantine? Spike Lee joint. <laughs> How was your quarantine? It's so maddening. What, what do you mean? Explain. Okay, I mean, I don't know if you've quarantined, listener. Maybe you have. You can't leave the house at all. Uh, and some people, that's fine, because they might have a garden or, I don't know, like a big house. Um, I live in a, a lovely flat with my wife, and we do have a balcony, but it's covered in pigeon poo. Oh, God. And the weather's been so atrocious anyway that you don't want to go outside. So we um, we put two little boxes by the front door for recycling, uh, and we just didn't leave. That's insane. I, so you didn't go outside for two whole weeks? Um, nope. That's mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the highlight of the quarantine time that kept you busy? Uh, we've been doing a paint by numbers, Joel. Oh, God. Uh, right. dear, a dear friend of ours bought us a paint by numbers, and I was like, oh, wow, that looks fun. Uh, and then I saw what it was of, and it was a photograph from our wedding. Oh, God. <laughs> that, that, that sounded like you were going to be nice, and then you went into. Ugh. Oh, that's just awful. So uh, we've been painting ourselves. <laughs> Uh, and we've also been watching the Harry Potter films. Oh, good. Turvy Potter and the... No, 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 I won't. We're not that kind of podcast. Um, uh, good, the Harry Potter films. Uh, which one's the best? Oh, Turfy, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Turfy Potter. I got it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that kind of podcast. Uh, what, uh, what was your favourite? Um, my favourite remains, controversially, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Is that the one where it's just the three of them? Yeah, and for a lot, of, for a big extended bit, you think Hermione and Harry are going to get off. And even though I knew they didn't, I was like, come on, come on. Well, they do thought that they'd change it from the books that much. No, they're like, they're in the woods, they're in a tent, and they're just sort of dancing to music. Oh, and they, I remember and that like, dancing. Kiss, 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 kiss. <laughs> don't kiss. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, uh, my favourite, you didn't ask, but uh, probably Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, we watched that one again. Yeah. It's an Oscar-winning director. Yeah. And you can tell. Worst one? First one. Oh, so bad. <laughs> what have you been up to, Joel? Whilst you've been quarantining, uh, I've been doing the same as most people who work in the arts. I've been retraining, thanks to the Chancellor of the Exchequer. He suggested it. I, I took him up on it. And what have you been retraining as? A legend. <laughs> Starting salary. <laughs> Whatever I choose. So there's been a big, obviously, listener, you may or may not be in the uh, creative arts. A lot of our listeners are. Mm. There's been a big backlash to this particular ballet dancer called Fatima. It's not, do you know, it's not even a real, it's from a year ago. It wasn't recent. Yeah, but that has not affected the Fiori. The point is, yeah. they had that... Um, it's also an American image that oh, they whatever. just used. It, listen, if you don't know what we're talking about, there's a, a, a poster of a ballerina, then the, the, it says underneath... Fatima could have a big... A big Her next job could be in cyber. She just doesn't know it yet. And but, it was a movement to get people to go into cyber at the time. Yeah, but yeah, now yeah. they've relaunched it now because obviously of this retraining. I feel it. like this will mostly speak to our age bracket and demographic. So sorry to much younger and much older listeners. But do you remember when MSN Messenger was a thing? Yeah. Uh, or chat rooms. Like you'd go on a chat room to take the piss, maybe with your mates. I was never allowed in a chat room. Well, there'd be older blokes hidden behind the keyboards and i recall people being like hey wanna cyber and that's what it reminded me of what does that mean cyber sex but there's no webcams and no way of talking because okay, it was let, dial up let's just act that out well you just type i'll, I'll be the old pedo you type so you want a cyber 
Why? Uh, I'm in the mood for some cybering. ASL? Check. What does that mean? Age, sex, location? Uh, 54. <laughs> uh, in the bath. Cheshire. <laughs> Hold on. Age, sex, location. Your sex was in the bath. Sorry, I got... <laughs> no, it wasn't like, where do you want to have sex? No, I'm in the bath. <laughs> I've got a little table that I'm typing while I'm in the bath in Cheshire and I'm 54. You? This is taking a turn. I'm gonna... <laughs> Let's leave this. <laughs> Um, although, interestingly, on the retrain front, right, artists, we've spoken about the fact that you and I do this uh, out of passion for football and educating the masses in football, but really that we work in the arts. Um, tell you another uh, business that's in a bit of trubs. Tell me. Football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> but none of the footballers are being told you need to retrain. My brother got told that he should retrain as a professional athlete. What? There's gaps. There might be. I mean, yeah, a lot of them are going to have to leave. Uh, and actually, Kyle... Um, We've got a guest coming on soon, mm. uh, and I believe we're going to talk to them all about the perilous, parlous state that professional football and the wider football period f- finds itself in. Am I right? The wider football pyramid. Yeah. To us, that's just you know, the average bread and butter chat. To Listener, a, yeah. get ready to plug in. You're going to be cybering some football pyramid chat after this. Hello, Joe, are you there? Oh, yeah, it's not Hello. a phone call, it's a video call. I can see oh. you. Hi, mate. <laughs> Hello, how are you? Thanks for calling in on a video call. I've done this before, I think. <laughs> I'm going mad. Uh, to Worldy Towers, we're here. Where are you? I am in Somerset. In uh, well, I'm currently in a village called Ash, which is uh, the village my parents live in. Um, but I've I've just moved back to Somerset to a village called Martock, uh, which is the village I was born in. Everything's going full circle. I'm going to turn, oh, I'm going to turn 30 working for my dad in the village I was born in. But that was uh, that was that was what happened this year. That was always was part of the thing. plan, right? That was always that was always part of the plan. Can yeah. I ask? Did you when you were growing up in that area? And you're watching Pokemon on the telly and the character was called Ash. Were you like, oh yeah. my God. I loved that. And Brock, which rhymes with Martok, which <laughs> is where I live now. <laughs> that was always deeply satisfying. I always hated Brock. I was a misty yeah, guy. Mug. I didn't, mug, wasn't he? I didn't watch Pokemon. Oh, I saw... Um, did you see that a influencer sold a Charizard or no, bought a Charizard card, an original Charizard Pokemon card for $200,000? And all I could think was I used to have yep. folders and folders of, a, of yep. first generation Pokemon. Like, where are they? Who's got them now? I once slid them down my dad's car door and he had to take the car door apart to get them out. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you a little story, Kyle. I Similarly, I had that. I had the books, the books of the cards. And I had a shiny Charizard <gasps> and I had a friend called Richard Atkins, whose name I shall never forget because allegedly. it just so happened. It, well, allegedly I should, yeah, be careful. I tweeted something the other day about Max Stafford Clark and I should, I had to re- redo it and say allegedly, even though he's a wanker. Um, but the Richard Atkins, who was a friend of mine at primary school until this day, came around to play, incidentally, could I find my shiny Charizard after no. that? Time? No, I could not. I am livid. Could I, what, $200,000? Yeah. That is almost, that is that is at least double what I've been getting through the self-employed <laughs> income support scheme. That I was a, don't forget all the others. You probably could have got a million. All the I other cards you had. When we go for a break, I'm going to run up. I know exactly where the book is. I'm going to go and run and get it and see what I've still got. Hang on, you still have yours? Yeah, I don't throw anything away. This has got all out of hand. I don't know anything about (laughs) Pokemon. I feel like what our guests must feel like when we make them talk about football. Incidentally, Joseph Cullen, welcome back to the podcast. Having uh, uh, previously joined us for probably the best moment of my life. Empty, exhausted, exhilarated uh, Tottenham Hotspur versus Ajax. Uh, Still got the videos on my phone. What a night. I mean, I feel like the three of us bonded that night more than I've bonded with anyone in the last 34 years. Joe, explain, if you will, to the listener, if they missed that episode, what you have on those videos, what evidence you have. Who did we watch? Tottenham Ajax. 
Yes. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Fix well. the memory. Um, <laughs> uh, God, I've got videos of just of of the after the ninety minutes. The after what's it called? After time, time after. What's the what do they call it? Extra time. E- extra time. After the, yeah, there are videos of uh, of just Joel cuddling. Like it's it's like he's had a night on gin and he's sort of hugging the carpet and hugging himself, but it's not gin. It's elation. Ah, oh, and the the noises that came out of you. Mm. Yeah, uh, it was um, fascinating. It, I think it, Joel's right. It was a bonding moment. I like now, even though I know you're not that into football, I will always, you will always be there in my best, one of my best football memories. And I love that. That's so unexpected and nice. That's the point of this podcast. Do you know what else it? is unexpected and nice? You sent me and Joel in the post, not to the Worldy Towers address. I do have my own home. Um <laughs> A Yeovil Town face mask, and I've been wearing it with pride. Someone stopped me in the street and said, what is that on your face? And I had to take it off and go, oh, Yeovil Town, mate. And he laughed for about 30 seconds and said, these days. <laughs> yeah, I said, you know, because I, I, we moved back to Somerset about, I don't know, six weeks ago. And um, there's, a, there's a hairdresser's on, uh, on the sort of the main road through the village called Katrina's Cuts and Curls. And uh, she, is Katrina's been there for, Tell me it's all, tell uh, me it's KKK. It? Katrina's oh, cuts I, I don't think it is. I hope it isn't. But hey, welcome to Somerset. Um, but she had, she spent the whole of lockdown because she lives by herself with her sewing machine making all of these face masks. And she had loads with Yeovil Town on. And I got one, I got one for my brother and I thought, oh, I better get a couple for you and send them through. They're great. We love them. Uh, Because also, since you've last been on, where you told us about Yeovil True, the top 40 single by Yeovil Town FC, um, since we've last been on, we've done an episode uh, in which it was voted. I think this is official. Is it official? I think it's official. I think globally it's now recognised. We called up Radio 1 just to verify. uh, The best football-related music track of all time. Really? Yep. Ah, I didn't know that. I haven't listened to that episode yet. That's great. Great app. Great. Uh, good yeah. news. It's called uh, Giant Man with Hammers for Hands. <laughs> Joel remembers all the names of the episodes. I do. I do. Um, well, you mentioned earlier uh, that 200,000 was a smidgen more than you got through the government <laughs> self-employed <laughs> grant. Uh, you're in the yeah. arts like us, so you've been unemployed for some time. Yeah. Well, I think... Employed doing well, not your actual job for some time, let's put it that way. Well, I mean, I've not, I've not done very much work at all, to be honest with you. I've had a, a couple of lovely little jobs within the art sector since March, online things and uh, helping out other people with their projects. But I have been, I mean, from March till, I want to say June or July, I did not work a day. Wow. And then I'm, I found a little job in London doing two days a week at a salmon smokehouse, smoking salmon and curing bacon. Wow. And, uh, and to be honest, I loved that job. It was so fun. Um, mostly because the two chaps that I worked with, who were both lovely guys, didn't give a shit about the arts industry. (laughs) And it was so lovely just to have like a two minute top up of how depressing my life was at the top of the shift. And then we would just talk about anything else for the rest of the day. And that was, that was much needed, I think. Now I Um, could talk about this for ages. I'm really uh, curious, but we don't really have the time. In a nutshell, how do you smoke a salmon? (laughs) (laughs) Not in a nutshell. Oh, you're challenging me now because I, I didn't do a huge amount of the salmon smoking, but they sort of rub it in salt and whatever whatever other ingredients you want to rub it in. Then you hang okay. it in a, in a smoking room for a, a day or so. Is that uh, just a room then, full of smoke? Pretty well. Yeah, just a just a hot room. Okay. I did make lots of sausages. I, what my favourite my favourite thing about it was, you know, in Hamilton, uh, there's this song, uh, the room where it happened, where he says... Um, Nobody knows how the sausage got made. I came home one day and I was like, Sasha, I know how the sausage gets made. I'm oh my so God. You've had <laughs> such a better lockdown than me. <laughs> uh, for, a, for a brief time, I brought home the bacon, but that sadly is Please. no longer. Um, well, I mean, but you, as an, a member of the arts, unable to do your actual job, found some other work. Do you know who were unable to do their actual job for quite some time, but didn't have to find other work? Yeovil Town? Well, no, I was just going to say footballers in general. Footballers yeah. in general? <laughs> I'm trying to segue back to football. It's not going very well. <laughs> he, what he's saying is that football stuttered to a halt. It came back. For some, it didn't. Yeovil, their season in the fifth division of uh, the football pyramid, the National League, 
they didn't come back. They just cancelled the season and now it started oh, yeah. again. I'm, I'm sure that reverberated around all of Somerset. I'm sure it is. I wasn't here at the time. I was in London, oh, so yeah. I don't... I, but I'm, I'm absolutely certain it would have done because, like, I, like you know, especially local, smaller, smaller clubs particularly, there's a huge, huge community built up around them, and rightly so. And, and, and the impact on the wider community, I think, is massively, massively felt. Um, and, I, yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that, Joe, because this episode is geared around the sort of dilemma of how to save all these local community teams. You know, we're talking about grassroots all the way up through the sort of football pyramid to the just below the, the football league, as they call it, the professional leagues non-league football league grassroots the games in crisis and this week over this weekend actually the telegraph exposed the plan at the top of football to save the game in this country they called it joe Ooh. operation big picture oh what do you think of that, when you hear that is that good <laughs> operation big picture i think i think the wide screen let's have the world cup on at the cinemas and save the cinemas as well that's Ooh. what I think. Mate, someone get you into the That's a really good government. idea. That's <laughs> quite a good idea, isn't it? Actually. That's a really good idea. You can't look. Me. This is another episode of thing, but you can't, the government does not trust football fans to do anything. No, that's true. They can't be allowed in a pub. They can't be allowed in a cinema. Yeah. They're not allowed in a stadium, which is outside. Uh-uh, not happening. It's gone back to the 80s where Thatcher tried to make football fans get a different passport. Yeah. Anyway, good. that's another episode. That, oh, I want to know about that. She was not my favourite. <laughs> I like it with that use of was, knowing that you were at, at most three years old. I was born in 1990. So I did not, I don't think we crossed paths. Carol Thatcher. Celebrity, I'm, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Great. How do you feel about her? Less, less annoyed or? Relative, I don't know, relatively indifferent. I think that that was a popular TV show that I'm sure I watched at some point. Okay, well, Carol Thatcher aside, <laughs> the Operation Big Picture has got lots of good points. I'm going to run through a couple of them now. The, the Premier League, the highest, the money league, the top league in this country, watched internationally by probably millions of people. Africa, Far East. The Americas, everyone loves this league. You know why? Because it's competitive and all the best players play there because of the money. Anyway, they have this proposal and some of the bullet points are thus. 250 million to save the English game in the lower levels. So we're talking about the other three professional leagues. We're talking about non-league. We're talking about grassroots. 250 million to save. Actually, that's, that's just for the, the top three leagues. Mm. Another 100 million... And this is, we're talking grants here, Joe. We're talking give this money, yeah. no expectation back, potentially. Have it. Save the football, give it to the clubs that need it to survive. Another 100 million for the women's game, for grassroots football. So that's, we're talking about a quarter of a billion pounds here. Mm. These are good points. This is what the Operation Big Picture wants to do to save uh, the game. But it's also been sort of mired in controversy, this operation, this, uh, this, this proposal. This operation, I like it. It's like, I like the fact that it's an operation. Well, it's, it's, been, it's been deemed non-operational. We need to do surgery on football, stat. Quarter of a billion pounds should do it. <laughs> Joel, why don't you tell us about the, the bad points of, of... Joe, have you heard of Manchester United and Liverpool? I have heard of at least one of those two, yes. Yes, they are the biggest teams historically in the, I would say, probably the whole of the United Kingdom, although our Scottish listener is that a scottish football yeah chatbot scottish football chatbot who's our scottish listener i don't know <laughs> hopefully we've got some hi uh, our scottish Hello. listener will dispute that and say celtic and rangers are probably up there with anyway united and liverpool biggest teams in all of uh uk football let's just say that as a fact they're american owners mm, yeah both owned by americans ah. yes indeed uh have mm. Have, a, have put together this proposal. What it basically means is that all of the power in UK football will be passed to what is termed the big six. Those are the six richest clubs in the whole of the football pyramid, as Carla said. Also, do you understand that term football pyramid? Have we used that around you before? Uh, no, 
but I but I can picture a pyramid, and I'm aware that there are different leagues of football. And uh, I never got less than a B when I was at school, so I can figure it out. Thank you. He's got it. Uh, do you know, can you name us and some other clubs from the Big Six, maybe, Ooh. to understanding? Can you guess any other members of the Big Six? You've got United oh, and Liverpool, I've given you two. United, Liverpool, uh, Man City. That's three. Uh, they, these are all in the UK, yeah? Yeah. Okay, well, Arsenal. England. Arsenal, yeah, Ding. that's four. You've got two more Chelsea. to Chelsea. That's Tick. five. One, One more. more. Uh, Tottenham. Yay! Yay! That's yeah. the so the big six will get complete control over basically everything. So all the Premier League voting, all the TV decisions, uh, everything that uh, uh, you can think of that will, would be would require any kind of decision making apparatus, they would have wow. the casting vote. And that's what they're, what they're saying to grassroots football is, and to the Football League underneath the Premier League, we'll give you a lot of money from our TV money, but you have to accept that we will do all the decision-making from now on. Us and maybe three other teams in the league who've been in the Premiership for quite some time. Everyone else loses all their say. So those teams will have a huge amount of power uh, compa comparatively with any other team in, in UK football. They mm. are offering this so that they can also create a, a new structure to British, to English football, excuse me. So they're going to reduce the amount of teams in the top division from 20 to 18. Yeah. They're going to reduce the amount of teams in the overall football pyramid by two teams. So two teams will just not be allowed mm. to be in the football pyramid anymore. The, uh, that's two, we should say that's two out of 92. The moment there's 92 uh, professional, quote unquote, teams in the top four leagues so that'll be down to 90 uh and and they're also going to put in a, a, a system in place where the third last team in the top division will play yeah. the third best team have i got that right the fifth best the fifth best team the sixth they'll be part of the playoffs right they'll enter we've talked about it before the playoff system uh, so that even though they're one yeah. of the worst teams in the Premiership, they'll have the, the Premier League, they'll have the opportunity to stay in the Premier League by entering into a playoff system, thereby making it even harder for the smaller teams to climb the, clamber their way up to the top, to eat at the top table. Now, we've given you a lot of information here, Joe, a big load of uh, Operation Big Picture thinking. What, what's your gut telling you about these proposals? My gut is, my gut tells me that that this stands to make football much like the media and you're going to have these moguls that run everything and the bias is intense. That's my gut. I don't like it. Uh, but then funding is necessary. I don't like, I don't like strings attached funding. Mm. I don't, I don't like what happened recently with the, with the, these arts cultural recovery grants where they had to publicly thank uh, the government for this, out money with a hashtag and all of that. I hate it. Strings attached stuff. But yeah, my gut is I don't like it, guys. I'm sorry. Don't, no, don't, don't apologize. Don't apologize. I, I, I will add another fly to the ointment. Um, another part of this proposed deal is that at the moment, the money that comes in at the top of the game is they already actually siphon off a portion of it to give to lower league teams already. They do that anyway. That's part of the deal. Right, okay. 10%. Now they're proposing to increase that to 25%. So they're going to give away a quarter of their own profits to give to the lower league. That's an increase. And they're also going to cut something that's another confusion, but we'll talk you through it very quickly. Something called parachute payments. Another way of keeping Premier League teams stronger was if they did happen to get relegated, they would get concentrated payments for a few years to cushion, to parachute that, that plummeting. They're going to scrap that because that's also anti-competitive. They think and they sort of hope that with all these sweeteners, the clubs are going to say yes. What it's, mm. what it's looking like, and this won't surprise you, is all the teams in the lower leagues are going to say yes. Uh, that includes teams such as Yeovil, who are out of the, the official EFL Football League, but are in the National League, the division just below yeah. where those 92 teams start. Uh, they're all going to say yes because by everyone's calculating, without fans in the stadium, we're looking at clubs going under now in four to six weeks' time. So, it's already happened with a couple, hasn't it? It has, and we will talk about them very, very soon. But yes, lots and lots of clubs are in real danger of disappearing, being gone from the communities. As you said, mm. it's such a it's it's strange to it's a strange quirk, I think, of this country and some other countries in Europe that 
especially with small towns with stadiums built in the middle of them, they mm. do become a bit of a community hub. And there are a lot of them are in danger of going out of business. So the smaller teams are going to say yes to this. They're going to say, do you know what, Big Six? You have all the power. We need the money. We need to survive. The other teams in the Premier League, who normally get £100 million a year from TV, are furious because they're going to lose all their power. They're going to have to give up money to the lower league teams that they can't afford as much as the big six can. And they're going to lose all their voting rights because the lower league teams are going to agree to all of this. So it's, it's creating a bit of a rift in football. Joe, how do you feel about democracy? <laughs> I like it. It's well, a complicated fish, but I like it. I think that you've hit it on the head, really. These, these advantages with, with uh, strings attached, the biggest string, the, the most nefarious string they're trying to attach is you're losing your democratic right. At the moment, every Premier League team gets an equal vote. Those days will be over if this passes. Okay, football is good. Football is fun. Football is there for everyone. I can't really be bothered to follow it properly, but I'll tell you one thing. I prefer it to broccoli. Kickball with football, yeah. Joe, we're now going to do a lovely sort of whistle-stop through some of the lower leagues. And we're like... Obviously, it's so depressing and sad that we can't actually do that. Like, we could have driven down to you. We could have gone to oh. Hewish Park to watch a game. It would have been amazing. We could have get you to be a ball boy again. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll do it one day. Oh, I cannot wait. But in the interim, let's just talk about some of the clubs who are in this incredible position where their actual lifeblood, the money that they need to survive, is coming through ticket sales, coming through the turnstiles, that are permanently closed. We're talking about pies. We're talking about pints. We're talking about to clubs in the lower league of the of the professional game and every club below that. They don't have the money at the top end that means they can sustain themselves about those things. It is an area where the three of us working in theatre majoritatively can relate, I guess, because these are two in the lower lower echelons of football without TV money. These are two industries where you're looking at small theatres and small football clubs that rely on bums on seats. I mean, some of the clubs like Yeovil, their their average attendance will be the same as some theatres. We're not talking huge amounts of people here. No. But we are talking significant amounts of money. Would you like... We're talking thousands of people every Saturday or every Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know what days football happens. But <laughs> it, it, thousands and thousands of people that, that flock to... Hewish Park or wherever it might be, and to away games as well that travel on coaches and coach firms that lose money out, you know, and the, the ripple effects are pretty, pretty staggering, actually. Well, uh, seeing, as, seeing as it's you that we've got on to talk about this, would you like to hear what uh, the press release from Yeovil Town? I would love to. Yes, from the please. chairman? So, it's clearly a difficult time for our football club and sector, and I believe it's important that you as supporters are kept informed and understand the situation as it developed. We, as a league, are still campaigning for the government to allow supporters into stadiums, but it now seems highly unlikely, at least in the short term. Uh, he then goes on to talk about the measures that he would like uh, to come into place. Uh, there is no doubt that football matches without supporters is financially unviable, not just at our level, but I would think throughout the whole football pyramid. We, as a club, are no different, and without supporters, we will not be able to operate our business. Our lost revenues will be circa £1.3 million, which is... Insane, and we're talking a you know roughly Yeovil of seventeenth in the national league. We're talking what the hundred and quick maths, one hundred and ten, the hundred and yeah, around around yes that point, hundred ninth, hundred and ninth. There we go. The hundred and ninth team in football has revenues of lost revenues of one point three million pounds. It is shocking. Uh, so no wow. wonder they're willing to bite bite off the Premier League's hand with the offer that's coming. Yeah. I mean, it it makes you really sad. And Joe, you won't know this, but the the football league itself is trying to put uh, salary caps on the lower on the two lower leagues, so League One, League Two, and in League One, League Two, so the the, the division above Yeovil, they want to put in a, a max cap of one point five million pounds a year. So we're talking that's that will be the operating cost of a whole club for a whole year that they'll they've lost. It's crazy money. It's, uh, wow, I can't even, I will never see that amount of money in my life, but that's... Well, it's I'm, interesting I'm because it. I think a lot of people, a lot of people I know would be like, well, who cares? 
So you don't like football. You've no interest in football. What, no, would, but... be, what would be the impact on the area around Somerset if Yeovil disappeared? Well, I, like I myself am not a huge football fan, although I have, I have been to see plenty of football matches with other people who love football. I've been to Yeovil Town a lot because my brother and my family, my auntie and uncle and my cousins and everybody, like they're season ticket holders and they have been my entire life. And it is probably the biggest, I don't know, social and cultural event of their calendar because football is, is culture and it might not be a particular type of culture that I buy into necessarily, but it, defi- it, it defines a lot of people in their, in who they are, what they stand for and, and, and where they find community. That's, you know, without, without, saying something silly mm. football a football stadium and a church are not dissimilar in why they exist and why they operate because where or a theater where people go to find community varies depending on where you grew up how you grew up your interests but it's that's it's a huge i think that would be a hugely damaging thing to this to this area because well, there's no other bigger football team nearby. Like no. you've got a couple, of, a couple in Bristol, but that is well over an hour away. Yeovil are the only team from the county of Somerset to ever play in the football league pyramid. Oh, good fact. Thank you. Yeah. I did my research for once. Uh, well, do you want to hear about? Uh, uh, it, well, it actually ends on a slightly, hopefully, feel-good note. Uh, last year we spoke about Bury, who are hopefully coming back, uh, having gone out of business. Uh, the Impact on communities is massive. Macclesfield Town FC have officially been wound up. Uh, they're gone. They have been, wow. yep, they don't exist anymore as was. They were formed in 1874 as Macclesfield and then reformed again after the Second World War in 1946 as Macclesfield Town FC. They've existed ever since then, but then on 16th of September, so last month as we record this, the Insolvency and Companies Court was told that they owed debts of more than half a million pounds. Um, Last season, they were relegated even though they didn't finish bottom, Joe. So the Football League, yeah, the Football League said, it's not okay for you not to be able to pay your players. The players went on strike last November because they weren't getting paid. So financial problems were already there. And then with the impact of COVID, once they'd then been forced out of the Football League into the same division as Yeovil, Mm. uh, with these half a million pound debts, impossible to make any money because there's no gates. They were wound up, they were dissolved. They're no longer existing. Uh, and it was looking pretty bleak. When you think about the amount of people that are employed by a football club that aren't just footballers, uh, there's a lot of people uh, who were out of, the, out of the job, people who work behind the scenes in catering, on match days, in the boardroom, all over the place. Uh, so it's looking pretty awful. And Macclesfield is a small town. It's not got, uh, it's a bit like what you're saying with Yeovil. You know, it's, it's, it represents. I think I've only heard of it. I think I've only heard of Macclesfield because of the football team. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's me as somebody who doesn't know that much about football. But I've heard of a lot of places in the UK that I've never been anywhere near because of their football team. Well, it's 150 it, years of history, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Literally 1874 to now. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly sad. However, and this is what I think uh, is going to happen a lot unless this package is agreed. So uh, as of, I think even yesterday, uh, a local Macclesfield businessman named Robert Smithhurst, who also owns a team called Stockport Town, who are right down in the 10th tier, um, he has stepped in and he has bought them. So whilst they have been wound up, they've got no players They've got nothing. They've got a stadium, obviously. Uh, they've got nothing going for them. They're no longer playing football. They won't be allowed to play football until the start of next season. They have now been bought. So That's exciting. It is exciting. And not only that, but have you heard of Robbie Savage? I have. Robbie Savage is a BBC pundit. He used to play for Leicester and Derby. He was a tough tackling midfielder with, shall we say, flowing blonde locks, Kyle? Absolutely. That's why. That's why I know him. It's, he- the, it's the hair, isn't it? He's, uh, he's going to be on the board as the head of football operations. He's been doing a lot in uh, lockdown and, and under COVID, actually. He's been put a, lot of, a part of a lot of grassroots government petitions. He's been, because he's, he's trying to use, you know, I think he's got a bit of a bad rap for being a big mouth and being a bit of a, uh, 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 what's the word for someone that uh, likes their hair a lot? I, I mean, there's so <laughs> many football words I could use that I'm not going to. But anyway, he's got a bad rep, but he's actually been trying to do a lot of good at grassroots football. 
uh, yes, anyway, so he is, he is now officially on the board, which is great. Uh, they will restart life next season. So they have been saved officially, but they will restart life uh, probably at the 10th level in the Northwest Counties League Premier Division. Actually, probably in the Northwest Counties League North Division. <laughs> Uh, Northwest Counties North. Wow, that's pretty low down. Um, uh, uh, and here is my quote from the new chairman, Mr. Robert Smethurst. Over the coming years, our main aim is to move up through the leagues. I'm passionate about building a secure business model and strong commercial foundations so the past issues the club has experienced will not happen again. And this is the bit I find interesting because I think this is really important. Whether or not he means this, who knows? The key focus is and will always continue to be football, the fans and the community. Without the support of the fans, the associated ticket sales and hospitality, the club will find it hard to progress through any leagues despite any financial backing it receives. So basically he's saying it doesn't matter if he steps in and supports the club, which he has, he's saved them to a degree, even though they're now at the lowest stage they've been since they first became a football team. It doesn't matter if there's not the engagement with the fans and the community, the club won't survive. <laughs> Joe, you said, yeah. and I agree with you, actually, it's a very good point. There are so many places in the geography of the United Kingdom that I only know uh, exist because of football. But this one, I think, does not have that association. But there are, there are a team that are this season rivaling your glovers. Oh. Have you ever been to Kings Lynn? I have been to Kings Lynn. Tell me oh, about it. Uh, they briefly changed their name to Kings Landing. <gasps> from Game of Thrones. That's all I know. Is that why you went? Uh, uh, yeah, sure. No, I, I've got a friend, <laughs> friend from university whose family has a, a house near there. And I just, I got into the station. I decided to go early. We were getting picked up. I decided to go a few hours early to take a wander around Kings Lynn. Didn't need to have done that. It's a shithole. But they did briefly change their name to King's Landing. No, it's, but I'm sure it's perfectly... Allegedly, perfectly allegedly. You know, I absolutely love that you're already slamming them because they are a rival, a direct rival to Yeovil Town, and you should be putting them in their place because they have got a team called Kingsland Town FC. And, Stupid name. <laughs> and their, their nickname, yours is the Glovers, remember, because of the gloving industry. Theirs yeah. is the Linnets, which is a little finch bird. Ah, the Linnet. And they play at a stadium called The Walks, which I think is quite, going down the walks today. Yeah, Although they're that. not Cockneys. Well, they're estuary. Going to go walk the walks. You're not going to talk the talks, though, are you, Kings Lynn Town FC? Whatever your name is. So, Joe, they've been, only been a club since 2010, and they've, they've risen through the lower league pyramid to get to, your, to the fifth division. Um, Good for them. They've had five promotions in 10 years, and... But they are huge beneficiaries. We've been talking about how damaging coronavirus has been to all these clubs. Mm. Kings Lynn Town FC got promoted into your league on a points per game basis. When their league got cancelled because of corona, they were not in a promotion position. But they worked out with the games left to play. They did a little points per game ratio thing. And suddenly, on form, Kings Lynn Town jumped to the top of the league, got promoted without playing any games. Are they, They're not in a Tory constituency, are they? Probably. Probably, let's be honest. That's where all the funding goes. So I think there'll be a lot of uh, fans sitting at home like you in the, in the National League, 24 clubs in that league, thinking they shouldn't be here. 23 now. That's 20, sad. Sorry, 23. Oh, Stand corrected. We've just, we've just gone over that. <laughs> so hang on, they're 10 years old and they're, they're 24th in what? No. Yeah, they're, they're, they're only, they might even be above you in the league. As it stands, they might be above the Glovers. I don't like it. It doesn't seem right. See, this is the sort of random arbitrary angst that, we, that we've only just told you this club exists and you already hate them. Now, we're going to lose that from, if we lose football. What are we going to do with all that hatred? What are we going to do with random <laughs> hatred for something that you don't really care about? We're just not going to know what to do with ourselves. Here's another club that you might love to hate. Salford City. I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, know if I hate them yet. Tell me. They are, they're the league above you, and they are the richest club in the in that sort of area of the football pyramid because they are owned by Gary Neville, Phil Neville, Nicky Butt, Neville, Neville. Paul Scholes, no. Ryan Giggs, and David Beckham. Those six men, the class of '92, 
there was a documentary about them buying a football club and that football oh. club Salford City has risen through the football pyramid to the fourth division and they're looking to get promoted again and they just sacked their manager mercilessly they've started the season with five they're unbeaten in five games won four of them sacked the manager we're thinking Roy Keane is going to replace him oh I've heard of him and my final point is our favourite club in the same league as Salford the league above Yeovil Forest Green FC now Joe we're all in the same boat here, the three of us. And I don't want to start a competition. There's, there's, there's already a dearth of jobs. But a new job in football has been found, uh, formed by Forest Green FC. The job of artistic director. <gasps> oh, you should have that, Kyle. Don't Joel would be awful at that. <laughs> but you would absolutely smash that. What's happening? What? Joe, I just think you should... Okay, I'll tell you about what, who the artistic director of, of uh, Forest Green is first. And then I think you need to go to get yourself down Hewish Park, knock on the door and say... There's, there's a changer coming, and I think I'm the man for this job. So they've hired uh, a guy from Massive Attack. His name is Robert Del Naha. He's known as 3D, and he is the new artistic director of Forest Green. What? 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 Now, listen. 3D AD? 3D like AD. Lovely. Now, okay, right. Forest Green, Rovers, dear to our hearts on this podcast. Listen, and we've spoken about them many a time. Vegan FC, as we like to call them. There's never been a story that I've not loved so far about Forest Green Rovers. Kyle, why does a football club need an artistic director? I'll tell you why. <laughs> uh, Dale Vince, who is the uh, CEO of Ecotricity and the owner of Forest Green, he heard about the fact that Massive Attack had been doing uh, sort of zero carbon gigs. So these uh, completely sustainable gigs. And he had a meeting with this guy, Robert Del Naja. It might be pronounced Robert Del Naja, but I'm just doing a Spanish J. Apologies. It might be a Portuguese. It might be a hard J. Sorry, Robert. We'll stick with 3D. Um, so I, in, in my head just then, I was like, what is that? What's that Massive Attack song that's the intro to Teardrops. Yeah. I was going to start doing that as the chatbot for Massive Attack, but I couldn't get the song in my head quick enough. Continue. <laughs> so anyway, he was impressed by this. They had a meeting. He said, come on board. And basically, they're, they're, they've got plans in place for a fully wood-built new stadium. That's and they, and, very cool. And essentially, I think he's going to work with them to make this an event space. Let's say, let's say, okay, I'm I'm putting myself in your shoes. I've I've, I've gone on a walk. I've ended up well. outside Hewish Park, and I'm and I'm and for some reason the doors open. I, I walk in and I, I've walked to the to the chairman's office, and I've suddenly I'm knocked on the door, and he said, "What are you here for?" And you say. I want to apply for the job that you don't even have of artistic director. Now, what? how are you going to sell yourself, Joe, for that job? I'm going to say, look, I've been unemployed since March. I've got nothing but time. I will work for cheap. Can I have this job, please? It's a long walk home. And I'm, I really need it. I just really need the opportunity. I love that you've offered like that, no, I think. no projects, no incentive. Like, you've got no, no ideas. ideas. <laughs> just I've simply sympathy. No Desperation. That sells. That sells, sells around here. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, Kyle. If I was Scott Priestnell, chairman of Yeovil, I would be in like stink, mate. I'm like, this guy is honest. He sounds trustworthy. Well, hang on. I know Joe. I've worked with Joe at various musical events all across the country and theatrical immersive events all across the city of London. Now, if there's a man who is at this point Ash Village based, who is more suitable for the role of artistic director at Yeovil Town, I'd like to meet him. Yeah, get in touch with us. <laughs> Tweet us at Worldy Podcast. We're going to get in contact with the club, Joe. We're going to set up this meeting and we'd love to know how it goes. Let's start a campaign. You know, I can't think of anyone who would be better than Joe. Not even uh, uh, famous actor Rob Thompson. Like, I can't think of anyone who'd be better than Joe as this job. I don't think Rob Thompson would be anywhere near good enough for this job. No, I don't think a position of authority would suit him. Everyone's talking about the Joe, guess yes. how many of the USA World Cup women's football team now play in the Women's Super League? You can get this, Joe. I, I think you can literally get this. All of them. You, you've shot the moon there. <laughs> It's a Operation Moonshot. Yeah. It was never going to work. <laughs> Pull it back a bit. Pull it back a bit. Down a bit. Down a bit. Some of them. Correct. Correct. He's got it in one. He's nailed Five. it. Five. Five. Yes. Yes, Carl. And they are? <laughs> Lavelle. Morgan. Heath. Press. Mellis. That is your five World Cup winners. And that is very exciting because 
Uh, there's only been a professional league in this country for the last two years. Uh, before that, women's football was all semi-professional. But much, so these are huge things happening. Uh, Chelsea, as we spoke about previously on this podcast, of signed Penel Harder, who is the European Women's Player of the Year. Spurs, Spurs women's team have signed Alex Morgan, who has more Instagram followers than the men's team. Good. Yeah, as in, not the women's Correct. team, as in she personally has more Instagram followers than Tottenham Hotspur FC. It's extraordinary. Wow. She's a genuine world star. These are players who are coming to play in the English league. It's very exciting. However... It tells you there is a market for it, though, doesn't it? Well, this is the problem. This is the problem, and this is where we're at. This is where things get tricky, because in exactly the same way as the men's game, whilst there seems to be money coming into the top of the game, Mm. the grassroots is being ignored. So all of these international superstars are coming in and they're getting paid more than uh, women have been paid previously. Uh, They're obviously not working two jobs anymore, but lower down the leagues, there's a higher prevalence of uh, uh, female footballers having to work more than one job to make ends meet. Um, I'll tell you now, like the statistics around... uh, uh, money in the women's game and how much the teams make. We've mm. spoken about the uh, individuals in the past, but it's it's insane. So, guess as a percentage, Joe, uh, on the third round proper of the FA Cup, which is uh, when the men's game, when the men's teams get really exciting in the third round, the mm-hmm. teams will make one hundred and thirty-five thousand pounds for playing in that game. Guess what percentage of that prize money? the women's teams get in the equivalent competition? Uh, probably something horrendous, like 20% or... That would be horrendous. Unfortunately, the answer is 1%. Oh, my God. Uh, and that number stays at 1% up until the semi-final, where the percentage is so low, £5,000 as a proportion of 1.8 million that is actually counted as 0%. Uh, and then the final, the, play, the, the men's teams that compete in the final, the prize money is £3.6 million and the women's prize money is £25,000. So the women's game is even more reliant on the minuscule ticket sales that they have and especially reliant on money coming out of the men's game into the women's game. So with this situation that COVID has brought around, if the men's teams don't keep funding the women's teams, and if merchandising opportunities dry up, we will see all the progress that has been made, all the steps forward that has been made to broaden the fan base and excitement around women's football in this country is even more likely to be eroded than that in the men's game. Of course it is, because it couldn't just be as bad as it was in the men's game, it had to be worse. But here is a a light at the end of the tunnel for you. Uh, the two US World Cup winners that Manchester United women's team signed this season, Heath and Press, they've sold more shirts with their names on the back than any of their male first team this season, which is incredible. Yeah. Like you would never, ever heard of that in this country ever before. That is massive. And the same for Tottenham. Unfortunately, both of those clubs, that money is going straight into the male parent clubs mm. who then decide how much money they give to the female team. Joe, give us a, give us some takeaways from this episode. We've given you a lot of information. What what's what's really stuck to the wall for you? Uh, my well, that you've got the the difficulty that's going to come about through this whole top six being in charge thing that lots of smaller teams will probably likely accept, but other Premiership teams will not, and are very angry about it. That's all very complicated. Uh, Robbie Savage, great hair. Women's football consistently not respected as much as it should be, not given enough support. And uh, it's it's just one of many, many, many things that is just pretty sad about living in this country at the moment. And not to, I don't want to end on a super downer, but like, obviously within within all of our interests and lives, there's a lot negatively happening. I, don't, I haven't followed that much with what's been happening in, in football or, or other sports, but that is, it's like, it's, it's poor. There's a lot to handle at the moment isn't it and i just i just really hope that it isn't it isn't lower leagues and women teams that are gonna really suffer when there are not that i not that i want anybody to suffer can we just tax the rich do you know like come on Joe, oh, let's not, you're right i think, I think that might be the name of the episode let's not leave it on a on a downer note you're right what team do we love Liverpool town and what team do we hate 
Kings Lynn. That is a tower note. Take that, that little Linnets. <laughs> try get try getting promoted off your own back. Bloody, get oh. yourself down the walks. We are a team, a team of men. We play football and we're gonna win the cup that everybody covered. So it's big, shiny hands made of gold. A massive thank you to actor, producer extraordinaire Joseph Cullen for joining us to uh, chat all things. The future is COVID, the future is dark. Um, I actually realised during that that uh, Joe's theatre company, Out of the Forest Theatre's production of The Brief Life and Mysterious Death of Boris III, King of Bulgaria, Part the First, was the last theatre show I saw before lockdown. Kyle. I didn't see it, but I did see... Mine was your show. Oh, there you go. It was very good. You should have seen it. It was excellent. I'm sure when things go back to normal, uh, we will let our listener know where they could see that when it comes back. Uh, what an amazingly sad episode, but also really fascinating. Um, I, th- I think we can say it was sad, but also it was hopeful. And also it was fierce and proud of, of the football period we have. And we don't want to lose it. Yeah, that's true. It's a real bind because you don't want grassroots football to fail you don't want smaller teams to go out of business but we also don't want the monopoly that has on been put on the table by the big clubs to come to pass i hope you followed all of that listener we really enjoyed it i found it really interesting uh we also uh, reaffirmed our love for both forest green rovers and yeovil town we are yeovil town who are um still got my mask still got our yeovil town fc masks i just i love the the green and black of it it's two colors i don't normally wear together well, you are Especially today. Especially on my gob. You are today over your mouth so that I don't breathe your quarantine germs. Actually, probably the least likely person to give me COVID. Yeah, you'd probably just give it to me. That's possible. Except not because we're socially distant. And also, we're doing another episode soon, so I hope you don't get it. <laughs> Listener, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Kyle, what was your worldie of the week? Uh, artistic directors are a thing in football nowadays. Discuss. Not going to ask me what my <laughs> Oh, I, I just, I just, I just reacted as quickly as I could. <laughs> Joel, what's your worldie of the week? Um, I think it is that I didn't know that there was ever the possibility that there could be such a rivalry between Yeovil Town FC and Kings Lynn. <laughs> Kings Lynn Town has got a bad rap this week. Was... We'll make it up in the future. We'll keep you informed, listener, on the goings on at Kings Lynn because I think they're going to do well this season. Actually, I agree. I don't know. I know nothing. Um, As ever, please hit that subscribe button. Please leave us a review. We will read them. We'll even read them out on air, even if you leave us bad ones. Uh, uh, Give us a five stars. Come on, smash that five stars. We'll do a countdown again. Get your phone out. Get your app out. Click our faces. And three, two, one, five stars. Thank you so much. You know, this guys, uh, it's getting difficult again. Like, everything is... The second wave is here or coming and everything that we feared was going to happen is happening and just come and laugh with us please just tune in we'll we'll try and keep you entertained we love you we miss you hopefully we'll see you soon with apologies to the famous actor rob thompson who as we said we couldn't get on this week but we'll try and get on for next time goodbye goodbye that was the Absolute Weldy Football Podcast by Kyle Ross and Joel Samuels with theme music by Adam Janosz-Bazowski and Amachada Patel. Absolute Weldy is dedicated to the memory of Liam Seeker. Please do remember to like, share, subscribe, follow us at Weldy Podcast on Twitter, Absolute Weldy Football Podcast on Instagram, and drop us a line anytime at AbsoluteWeldyPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Hello, am I hissing, am I wearing a mask? Is the mask affecting the sound quality? Kick ball with foot, football, yeah.